Today's episode of the Strength Talk podcast hosted by UpDoc Media is brought to you by the Arc from Verve. If you want to improve your posture, the Arc has you covered. Developed by a physical therapist, designed by an engineer, made in the USA, the Arc is going to improve your posture and relieve that neck and back pain once and for all. What is up, guys? Welcome to the brand new Strength Doc podcast hosted by UpDoc Media with me, Dr. John Russell. I want to get one thing clear. This is not going to be your average fitness podcast, and I'm sure as hell not your run-of-the-mill strength coach. What's going on, guys, and welcome back to the Strength Talk podcast hosted by UpDoc Media. Today, we have the guru behind one of the most innovative forms of fitness in America today, Clifton Harsky of FitWall. Now, Clifton isn't just a systems guy that's going out and running FitWall all around the world. What he is is a movement scientist and somebody that definitely has an appreciation for multiple forms of fitness all synergized into one that creates his current programming and the types of methods that he runs. Cliff has been everywhere in his career, from managing the Trader Joe's all the way up into being in the one of the most prestigious points I had a chance to work out with Cliff a couple of years back, and man, does this guy move like a cat. After one class with Cliff, I knew then and there, Cliff was definitely onto something with his training methods and his philosophies that are changing the game in the fitness industry. Let's get right into it with our guest, Clifton Harsky. Thanks again to Cliff What's for going on, guys. An Today we have episode. an awesome guest really with just us. Shows we have Clifton Harsky, who is the director of training and global head really coach creates something special for your amongst clients his other and also for your training. Great to have you here, Cliff. So keep that in Thanks mind when excited. you're going into your next Man, training it's been session. Been a little bit while since we've talked. Book to try to uh, I know we your both education. were in La Jolla a couple of years ago. Big thanks to Clifton Harsky for being our guest here on the Strength Doc podcast. One of my favorite spots, right on Prospect Avenue there, and taking a walk by, and I saw this gym called Fit wall. So obviously me being curious, I had to know what it was all about. Ended up going into a class that which you coached that day. And I just remember you moving like a cat and I needed to know who you were, what you were doing and how you got to where you are. Well, that's very cool. You know, it's funny. I, I looked it up. It was actually January 22nd at 9:30 AM. That you were in there. <laughs> Man, that was, a, that was a tough class. That was the toughest 40 minutes of my life. I, you know, I thought I moved well with all my correctives and stuff, but man, going into that football class with your programming was an unbelievable experience. But I left that day with a lot of questions in my own programming techniques, but also where I wanted to move with the methods because I definitely saw some, uh, some gaps in my own training after going through that. Very cool. Yeah, we try to, you know, we try to poke holes in the in what's typically done and be as comprehensive as possible and it's tough to do you know if people aren't familiar with fitwall you know it's mostly out in california now can you tell them a little bit more about it just so everyone's on the same page absolutely so fitwall primarily is a group training method that is performed in an interval style class that's predominantly bodyweight training now we also have external loading from resistance bands that are attached at different points, and then also some suspension trainers. It depends on which which workout you're coming in for. Uh, and then we will be adding uh, dumbbells to each station as well, since you know I'm a big fan of having external load. Um, 
obviously having that as another option to use makes our program even more cohesive. Yeah, you know, the the dumbbells, that's actually a new feature since I've been in. But get a picture of this, guys. You walk into this place, and it's almost like you're in an art studio. Like, this place is awesome. You roll in, and there's station by station on the wall. And you almost have this thing that you climb up onto at each station. You have your iPad set up. You're going to strap in your heart rate monitors. You have all those implements that Cliff was talking about. And you literally get coached up for 40 straight minutes with some pretty high-intensity interval training. Uh it's it's super unique and it's obviously been getting a lot of attention because of that. Yeah, it's uh, the things that I'm most proud of is how it allows our coaches to interact with a group format much more uh, individually than a typical group class, and that's because, as you mentioned, each station has its iPad above the station, and that iPad is playing a video of the exercise that you're doing the entire time that you're working out. Now I'm actually, I'm trying to remember, I don't think that was a feature that was live when you came in. No, it wasn't. I just saw my heart rate at about 220 and I just watched that the entire time. Yeah. So since, since you've been in, we've made, uh, we're continually pushing the, the tech, uh, boundary of what is being utilized right now. So, you know, every moment of the workout, every movement, we have a different heart rate range because obviously if you're close to the floor, you're going to have a lower heart rate than you're up in the sky. If you're using more limbs at the same time, you probably can drive your heart rate higher, faster. So rather than measuring you know, how much time you spent in a quote-unquote aerobic zone or anaerobic zone, we're actually saying at minute 17, you're doing jumping jacks and I want you at 75% of your fit wall max heart rate. And it's very, very well controlled in that manner. Uh, as far as the coaching, having the videos up, and it's too bad that that wasn't live. I know I was testing it in January of 2014. <laughs> what it allows the coaches to do, I, I, I'm a little snarky about most group training because the instructor is exercising at the front of the room, and then it's effectively follow the leader. Whereas with us, it's good to have that visual stimulus, and that's on the big screen and on the iPads, but then the coaches get to walk around and actually hands-on with everybody, which is very exciting to me because uh, you know group fitness is, is more fun for more people, more affordable for more people, but oftentimes lacks any hands-on coaching, which is probably a really good idea since everybody's somewhat broken. Yeah, that's true. And you know, coaching the large groups myself in the past, uh, you know, getting up to 20, 25 to one ratios from client to coach, it's hard to really coach people up and get the most out of their movements, get the most out of their training sessions, even if you are an advanced coach. And I've seen that even using uh, videos and sending them to our athletes the day before they go in for training just for a review. It really opens up their minds to really focusing in on the movements themselves and the execution as opposed to just getting through a workout. Yeah, that's almost like game film before a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, when it gets to a higher level, when you're really just trying to master what you're doing physically, it's more than just going through the motions. It's really a mastery level of your movement and those foundations. Absolutely. Now, FitWall is literally off the wall idea here. When did you first come up with the methods and when did you realize that it would actually be something that would take off in our industry? Well, so in 2013, I was running my own company in San Diego called BA Training. 
so I did private training, online training, and I had my own on the beach uh, boot camps. I called it booty camp since <laughs> it was kettlebell based, and I had a lot of ladies that just want to improve their buns. And I was like, "I'm your man. I'll help you." <laughs> and I had a lot of free time because that was a pretty sweet schedule. And this company, um, Fitwall, the the people that were going to run it knew of me and asked if I wanted to coach a couple of classes. And when I first looked at it, I was like, oh, great, another wacky fitness idea. There's so many of those. Right. Uh, but then I looked at it through a different lens. I had previously worked for a company called MoveNat, uh, which is move naturally or you know, the ability for the human body to explore all the ways that it can move, not just strength, not just flexibility or mobility or you know, any fractioned piece of movement. And, uh, having, having worked a little bit with Greg cook with move Nats, I was a, I, I looked at this fit wall as just an opportunity to move in new, interesting ways. Now there was already a number uh, 14 specific fundamental movements on the fit wall that had been come up with by the guy who invented the, the unit itself. So it was, it was very fun for me because I effectively worked uh, my way into running the the programming and effectively had a blank slate as far as how to uh, set up each session. And so we came up with the 40-minute session because from a practical standpoint of the amount of time that people are willing to commit consistently, uh, the shorter workouts are proving very popular. And if you do include a higher degree of intensity, well, then they can't also be long. So we went with that uh, appealing 40-minute mark because 30 minutes, I think, is just too short if you want to be thorough in any way. But 40 minutes is a pretty good number. Um, and then from there, it was like, all right, well, what do I want to accomplish in every single session? And I know that anytime you do a group training model, you are sacrificing uh, the perfection for the sake of getting the most amount of, the most amount of people. And based on that, you know, what I really was making sure to do was that every single class needed to have a, a emphasis on the posterior chain because everybody is deficient. Not everybody, obviously, but most people. I, I like to think of Fitwell as pop fitness. I'm trying to reach the masses. And most people don't train the posterior of their body very well. Most people... Uh, are cardio heavy. The ladies ignore their upper body and core. And so I'm like, I'm going to give everybody what they need in a package that they want. I'm trying to create fitness gummy vitamins. I love that. And you nailed it with the posterior chain. You know, our Americanized fitness culture, we have one end of it where it's the gym bros going and working their mirror muscles. And then you have the other end of the cardio queen that just loves to crank out the cardio and isn't necessarily getting those foundational movements that you were talking about. And really tapping into the posterior chain, especially up into the shoulder girdle, into the core and into the glutes. So like that pillar complex is key to our Americanized society too, because we sit all the time. We're on our phones. We're on our computers. We're highly sedentary, even for the most active people in the gym. So that really was something that I saw that was unique to FitWall when I was in. Yeah, and, and the unique... Uh, design of the fit wall itself really lets us 
do something you it's hard to emulate in a boot camp or a typical group fitness and that's upper body pulling because of the fact that you're actually hanging up on the wall all your upper back and backside has to work for not just not just work hard but work for a pretty prolonged period of time if you're you know even when i had booty camp you know i knew that i was going to be doing a lot of bent over rows and swings and deadlifts and i'd go over to the pull-up bars and make sure to get all that but you see most boot camps is just running people into the ground and doing really crappy push-ups and it's just anterior 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 and it's like why does my back hurt and why do my knees hurt well i'll tell you why <laughs> man you read my mind with that uh i used to run a boot camp for todd durkin out of fitness quest 10 back in 2012 and we used to go out to the park in san diego probably the same park that you were working booty camp at and we go out with only body weight and yes, we got a really good high intensity workout. We did some sprints. We did some good corrective movement. But there was always that missing link of that pull component like you were talking about, the upper extremity pull. And unless we got to a point in the park where we had some pull-up bars, we had something to grab onto where we could do an inverted row type movement, it was always that missing link. And we ended up like tying bands around people's waists like crazy people and running around the park and just like breaking them out and doing rows and all the uh, posterior chain exercises for the uppers and it got a little crazy but that was always something that I thought the the boot camp style training has missed yeah and you know and partly I, I never want to be one that talks smack about the education of most trainers you know people are doing the best they can and people develop at the rate that they're going to develop most of the pop fitness places just don't know any better to know that they're missing anything and then the other side of it is it's just hard when you don't have the tools. Um, you know, it's, I just learned right now is that I also intern. I, I don't know if you interned there. You're working there. But I interned at Todd Durkin's years and years ago. You did? Man, I didn't know that. Yeah. I was there in the fall, I think, of 2008 or 2009, uh, right before I started working for, for MoveNap. Okay. Which is so I know exactly you were just north of the Hilton. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. We met at the Hilton every Saturday. That's really funny. You you worked with uh James Wheeler, who I I effectively poached. <laughs> I yeah. brought him aboard to coach at Fitwall. Yeah, James is uh one of your uh coaching heads now, right? Yeah, he runs our Solana Beach studio. Oh man, you got lucky with him. Yeah, he's a great guy. That's why I was like I knew him, I knew the energy he had, the uh, uh, professionalism that he had. And I was like, Hey, I've got a position for you. I would, I would love it if you came aboard. And that really speaks to, to good coaching is good coaching. You can do it with NFL all pros, or you can jump into fit wall. But if you know movement and you know how to coach and communicate, it's really something that's unique that you can bring to really any aspect of fitness or athletic development. Definitely. And it's like, I, I mean, the iPads, the tech, my, it's great for keeping the gamification for clients, but to me, it, it enables me to make more effective coaches across more studios quickly. And, and what I mean is we've developed, uh, I think it's 400 plus exercises. And now I'm the first wow. to tell you that you don't need 400 exercises <laughs> in your program from, a effect, from an effectiveness standpoint. Um, but from a Clients think they need a lot of variety standpoint. I like to have variety. And that looks like, hey, in January, our squat emphasis is a zercher squat. In February, it's a goblet squat. 
in March, it's a single rack squat. And in April, it's a box squat. So that's four exercises. But let's be honest, it's just a squat done <laughs> in different ways. Um, so, but in those 400 uh, exercises, we have the exact training cues we want to use at every studio. We have the modifications that we'll need to make it easier, the modifications we need to make it harder. We have a, a checkbox for contraindicated uh, injuries or, or limitations that people might have. We have all the, all the coaching cues and the videos there. So every month when I send our workouts to our trainers, they get a list of videos and explanations of every single movement that they're going to coach that month, and then they know how to nail it. But what I'm really excited about by doing this is it in the future, let's say you come in and you tell me that you have a wrist issue. I know that push-ups and planks and things that have you on your hands, because we do a lot of quadruped stuff, yep. you may not be able to do. You're contraindicated. So I'm having our tech guys build in a, a system where whenever – if I click that box for you on your wrist, anytime a movement that comes up that would irritate your wrist – it will be automatically swapped with a substitution video. Oh, man. Now you're speaking to me. You know, this is a beautiful thing because that's the biggest disconnect that I see in group training is there's one instructor, there's, you know, 15, 20 people in a class, and there's no quick ways to modify intelligently. But if you have a program that literally you check here, here, and here saying your dysfunctions or the pain that you're having that day, and it automatically makes the modification for you, oh, my God, that's, that's the future right there. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, it's, uh, I can't wait to, to be testing it out and put it in because it will allow me to know that when I have my uh, future studio in Kansas with coaches that I didn't necessarily hire, that I've got a program online for them to know all the things that they have to teach. I know I wrote the program, so theoretically it's going to be a pretty well thought out uh, workout. And then even if the coach still is not all that technically sound, the system is going to recognize that this person has a blown ACL and should not be doing jumping squats or whatever it might be, and it automatically switches it for them. And I'm sure I'm super excited about that. Yeah. And even with the best coaches, the best movement scientists out there, with all the people in your group training class, there's no way to predict somebody's movement dysfunction or injury unless you literally sit and watch them work. And I mean, this is one of the best ideas that I've heard of. I can't, can't believe that you guys are on top of this. Actually, I can believe it because you're the head of group coaching there, but you know, that's something that so many group classes are missing right now. You know, I hate to get in and drop the C word already, but I think something along those lines would just be a beautiful thing, checking in for your class, uh, saying, hey, my wrist is really killing me today, and having automatic modifications in your WOD or your training program before you even start in on your dynamic warm-up. I think that could absolutely predispose some serious injuries. You know, even taking something from a minor ache and pain to a major injury and reducing the risk of that is huge. Oh yeah. And then, I mean, even taking it a step further and I, I don't know if I'll, if we'll end up doing it, but I've already put in to our system, the entries for an FMS score so that if somebody's an asymmetrical score or they're a one, they'd be red lighted on the, you know, the appropriate drills 
and then the same substitutions would take place. That we would actually just substitute their corrective in place if they're a, a set of ones on a overhead, you know, on their shoulder mobility. Then they would not be allowed to do overhead pressing, and instead they'd get like a, a rib pull or a T spine rotation or whatever it happens to be for that time. Now, you guys are doing the FMS with your clients at Fitwall. So we have it as an option. Uh, we we encourage people to go through it, and I'm a big fan of the FMS. The fact of the matter is, uh, with the fit, you know, pop fitness general pop they're not necessarily that concerned with it. And while I can get on my soapbox and our, our tr coaches are very interested in better movement and that's what we're trying to focus, everybody wants more abs. Everybody wants more cuts and more gains. And a lot of times it comes at the expense of movement. It's, just, it's a relatively new thought even in our industry. I think it's you know four or five years old and – uh, on Twitter, I put myself as a movement strength and conditioning coach in that order. I think it, those are the order you have to get good at things. Yep. And it's just a novel concept to gen pop. So it, ha it has not been something that has been wildly successful to date. However, we have run a couple of these six-week programs. And the first one had 40 people. I think it had 41 people in it. And so we FMSed everybody. And... It's the same story as any FMS. Uh, I think 20-something of them were ASLR uh, ones or asymmetries. Uh, the rest were shoulder mobility and then uh, some sort of combination of rotary stability or core stability just uh, lacking. And what we, what we saw was every single core stability and rotary stability cleared up in our program with no specific correctives. We saw all but one ASLR clear up with no specific correctives, and uh, shoulder mobility actually did not improve almost at all. But in my experience, that's the hardest one to affect, and it requires quite a bit of mobility and breath work to really make good changes. Yeah. So essentially what you're saying is that your programming is so advanced that you're taking away asymmetries and dysfunctions without even trying to do so. That yeah, I mean, not specifically on a case by case, but that's ended up what happening. Now I cheat because <laughs> if, if you talk to Gray, you know that uh, in the you know four hour body for whatever it's worth, that was a nice little bit that Gray contributed to Tim Ferriss's book yep. about hey, if you're going to do any correctives, what would you do? And it's like lift, chop, single leg deadlift, like half get up or a get up, and we put a single leg deadlift in quite often. We put chops in quite often and we put lifts in quite often. And it might be like a Cressy style. It might be a FMS style. Uh, you know, we switch it up a little bit month to month, but they all build on each other. And yep, we saw FMS scores just improve across the board with no specific correctives. And, and to me, that's pretty damn cool. Yeah. That's called intelligent programming. That's really putting a lot of thought and a lot of effort into the mass programming where you're seeing those 80% of people just get better naturally. And that's what the best coaches are able to do, even without really queuing in and trying to use specific corrective exercises, like you're saying, to get uh, away from dysfunctions. You know, with anything, you want to really affect 80% of the masses. The rest of that 20%, maybe 10%, depending who you talk to, they're going to need some other remediation in some sort. They might have to go to physical therapy, chiropractic. Maybe they have to do some home exercises or something like that. But if you're hitting 80% of the masses, you're doing your job. 
Oh yeah. And that, that 80, 20 rule, I mean, we see it work for <laughs> what everything in life, There's no reason that fitness would not be the same. It's why I, I kind of giggle to myself when people think that you need one-on-one sessions with everybody for it to be an effective program. It's like, well, no, I think we know better than that. Yes. There's those people that are, uh, have injury history and they definitely should be seeing a professional, uh, or are complete motor morons and they need some one-on-one time to help them out. Um, but the rest of us, let's not, let's not coddle everybody. Let's just give them some smart stuff and, and treat it like adults. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned this before, but you said that you're implementing some dumbbells in there now. You know, how important do you think strength development is for like the holistic health and athletic development? Well, incredibly important. Uh, you know, without getting too, uh, too standoffish, you know, there's some groups out there that's like strength is the only thing that matters. And it's like, well, maybe not, (laughs) maybe that's not the only thing that matters. Um, but I would put it in that hierarchy. I would say movement first, then strength and then conditioning. And, and I, I, I differentiate between conditioning and aerobic, uh, competency. Like you should be able to walk up a few flights of stairs without panting, but it doesn't mean that you also need to be able to run a five minute mile. So strength for, you know, I worked at Trader Joe's through college and I managed there for five years and it always blew my mind when, when people literally could not carry a box of water to their car. (laughs) It's like, dude, how are you, how do you live, man? Lady, how can you even live? That's not, you're, that's just having a hard time in life. So it's the foundation for accomplishing things. Yeah. And it's definitely that general preparedness. You know, what do you have to do just to be successful in the stuff that you want to do on a daily basis? You know, not everyone's going to be an NBA player. Not everyone's going to want to go and run a marathon and try to PR every time or go into a CrossFit style class and compete on a daily basis. But it's just those things uh, that you get out of fitness that makes your life better. You move better. You feel better you function better and you're able to do things without thinking about it anymore. You know, when you go up those couple flights of stairs, you're not going to be panting at the top. Or when you go to bend down and grab that box of water like you're talking about, you're not going to throw out your back doing so. Uh, it's just those simple things. And that's where the majority really sits in fitness. You know, there's obviously those people that want the shredded six-pack abs and they want you know, superhuman strength, but the vast majority of people just want to feel, function, and look better. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I feel most successful when somebody's like, Hey, I started hiking again. I took up tennis again. I'm able to play volleyball again. Or, you know, those, those real tear jerkers when people are like, I can play with my kid again. And like, <laughs> oh, well, that's good news. Yeah. Not to bring up gray again. It's like, we we're talking about gray cook this entire time, but him and I had a conversation and we were talking about actually going and testing yourself after you think you've made some strides in your fitness or your strength or in your actual wellness. So go put yourself to a test and see, you know, if it's actually working for you, you know, go run that 5k, see how you're doing. You don't have to be a runner to do so, but just see where those gaps may be in your training or your lifestyle and really make it evident to yourself by testing it on a daily basis. Oh yeah. Filling, having those little short-term goals and testing yourself. It's one of the things I really do enjoy about the idea of CrossFit is 
hey, how am I, you know, like the pegboard was an excellent example of, <laughs> of a unique test. And it's like, hey, by the way, guys, really hard to kip when your knees are pressed against the wall. So how's that working out? Now I'm going to put the caveat out there. What was that? Like the 30th workout that they had? Yeah. If, if they went day. into it like a sane person and that was their workout for the day, I'm guessing it would have looked significantly different than what it did look like. Um, but that being said, Hey, here's a test and it tells you just as, you know, whatever Castro or the different people said, Oh yeah, we found out that we have a little bit of a hole here. Right. You know, but going back to that pegboard, you know, they may have had problems too, because they all had thermal burns on their hands from three days of the barbell sitting out in the sun. Have you seen that report? I have seen that. And that's ruthless. Oh man. I saw that picture of the, uh, the thermal burns. I couldn't imagine going after that. You know, those competitors are literally warriors out there, like all props to them. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the one thing I always, any, uh, let's call it critique of CrossFit that anybody does should just be leveled at certain factions within CrossFit, but the people doing it while maybe, maybe like blindly following less than optimal, ideas are studs. I mean, studs upon studs of just impressive physical performance. Now, taking it a step further, how do you think a CrossFit athlete, an elite CrossFit athlete would do on the fit wall? Would they be noticeably better than say another type of athlete? So I've had a, I've had a number of CrossFitters come in because so our normal reaction, people come in and they go, they get done. They're like, holy crap, that's way harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, I had somebody just the other day, she, she put off coming in for a year and a half. She can't, she called me. She's like, so I was expecting like a Zumba like intensity <laughs> and I had a hard time finishing. And, you know, I don't pride myself on us being super hard, but we're so, we're very dense in what we put into 40 minutes. I don't, I, I mean, from a, uh, effort standpoint from a strength standpoint and from like a neuro complexity standpoint. So it's just generally very fatiguing. And with a CrossFitter, their, their, uh, cardio respiratory fitness tends to be fine, but their coordination and ability to move on one leg or rotate, uh, is oftentimes rather embarrassing. I gotta say. Yeah, it comes with the territory of, uh, you know, the training methods too. But that, that was one of the hardest things that I had uh, had trouble with in the class that day with you was the rotational components under metabolic stress. So uh, I was having, you know, trouble holding my pillar and I was having trouble really stabilizing my shoulders on the wall, you know, things like that. And that really opened up my mind to training postural muscles posturally. Not for strength, but to actually act as they're supposed to act as in postural stabilizers. So things like the posterior delt or the posterior rotator cuff complex. I remember just being surgically sore in the middle trap down into even the lower trap. And I'm like, man, damn, you know, <laughs> if only bodybuilders knew they could get this kind of activation hanging on a wall. Yeah. It's, and, and, you know, like whether the posture police is out there and, and uh, as far as, uh, improving posture is not good for, it doesn't improve pain. It doesn't mean anything. And I'm like, well, I think it does. Uh, and the reason I think it does is because people, if people have better posture, they tend to have more confidence. More confidence has downstream effects of feeling better in general. Uh, 
and it's one of the things that I will unequivocally see with FitWall after four to six weeks if you come in three to four times a week. And everybody, unless you're already really shredded, uh, gets very, very, I hate the word, but sorry, toned up in the, <laughs> in the arms, shoulders, and traps. And they stand up straighter. And it's just like you pointed out a, mo- a moment ago, the postural muscles are trained for longer periods of time. What's the most common? Uh, we're going to work your rear delt and your posture. Here's your I, Ys, and Ts, three sets of 10 per. Yep. And you're like, okay, count that out. Three sets of 10, that's 30 seconds. So we think a minute and a half is going to counteract the other 23 hours, 58 minutes, and 30 seconds of the day. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. And, and even in 40 minutes, it's not necessarily going to happen every time. But what I, I mean, it's pretty sweet. We see it happen time and time again. We're like, stand up straighter. You look way more proud to be you. Right. And posture is huge too. So when we go out and we give our NSCA courses on soft tissue management, the first 20 minutes of that two hour course, I talk about three aspects of your soft tissues that have nothing to do with your soft tissues, which are hydration, nutrition, and posture. So those three, and people are like, what the hell, you know, like I want to know about foam rolling and hands-on SMR and all this cool stuff. But in all actuality, you know, the same can be said for training. If we're not getting the requisite amount of nutrition into your body, hydration, and correct posture, those other 22 hours a day, even if you're training two hours a day, then even the best coaching, the best programming, everything is wasted. Yeah, absolutely. The fundamentals. (laughs) The fundamentals of life. Now, now you grew up as an athlete, right? Basketball? Basketball and a bunch of different stuff, but primarily basketball was my thing. And how, how did uh, your background in kind of athletic performance and your days as a basketball player play into you converting yourself from an athlete to a coach? Um, it started way back in high school. I was a skinny little guy. I was always able to move and like jump, you know, could dunk, I think sophomore year of, of high school at five ten type thing. Yeah. Um, maybe that was just cause I had no weight. I think I was 150 pounds. I don't know, man. I saw a video on YouTube a couple of months back and you were just like doing some crazy stuff above the rim still. So I don't think it was that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good news. Um, <laughs> it's just the levers. I have size 13 feet. So it's like, it springs me up. Usain Bolt style. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wanted to not, because I, I drove and I would jump, but I would get knocked down quite a bit because I didn't weigh a whole hell of a lot and I wasn't all that strong. So I started, you know, looking at magazines and it's just classic story. I'm like, I'm going to do the men's health program or the men's <laughs> fitness program or the muscle and fiction building uh, program. And it's uh, it works. I mean, I, I actually think my uh my coach in one of my corporate coaches rudy thomas he was the head strength coach at ucsd we've had this discussion that a lot of the young people that are trying to be super strong functional in quotation mark athletes um be it in crossfit or whatever the hell kettlebells whatever it is never seem to get all that strong and they're like yeah i just did a 24k get up and i'm like a 24k get up that's not impressive, man. Like <laughs> no one's impressed, but they, they, there's this missing component now for 18 to 20, 
three-year-olds that 10 years ago would have started bodybuilding and laying down some very basic framework of ability to lift weights in a bunch of different ways. Okay, it wasn't multi-directional, multi-joint, multi-planar, whatever, but they put down some actual stronger connective tissue and some bigger muscles that then can lift more weight. And I think that that piece, that component, the old school bodybuilding stuff can be very, very effective and is a missing piece for a lot of uh, the new wannabe lifter athletes out there. It's one of the reasons I, I really like the videos that you put out where you're like, hey, check it out. You can do split squats on a Smith machine and it will help you get better <laughs> even though it's on a Smith machine. And people's heads are like, what? That's blasphemy. <laughs> yeah. I think that exact word was used to describe that video you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, man, that's just, that's just called being smart and using the tools in a way that works. I see that a lot in the physical therapy field now. So we get a lot of emails, a lot of phone calls of aspiring physical therapists that want to bridge that gap between high performance and also rehabilitation and physical therapy. And my first thing that I tell everyone is that you better be training and I don't care what you do, but master your own body. Figure out what you can do to learn about your own body because you're with it every day, every second of every day. And if you can master yourself, maybe then you can help somebody else out. But you also have to be somebody that knows themselves and knows how to treat themselves. So really practicing what you preach. And that was a big disconnect that I saw, at least grad school. It was so highly academic. You know, everyone was coming in with the 4.0 GPAs. And nobody trained, nobody did anything except for study, which is obviously necessary. But a lot of study comes from the best coaches learning like you did. You know, you just had the drive to pick up a magazine and be like, I know I need something like this. I don't know exactly where to start right now, but I'm going to get into it and I'm going to learn as I go. And I'm going to learn some more about my body. You can learn anything with any type of program. You know, movement is movement, like we've been saying. But the key is just to get started in your own practice. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, that your own practice piece. Uh, so when I was traveling and coached for MoveNet, uh, I always introduced myself. I said, I had the best start to a fitness career that you could have. I was not in the fitness industry for 10 years and I trained in every style out there. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to spend a month doing Pilates just to see. I'm going to spend a month only doing hot yoga, a month only doing Bikram. A month only doing uh, CrossFit, see how how my body responds, and and then and only then do I think that you really have a right to be talking about something is if you've given it a fair shake and try it out. Uh, and so that was kind of a cool. I think it was a cool way for me to get going was do all these things. Then it was like, okay, now now I'm going to start putting letters after my name and gather up a number of certifications. And now I can start teaching. And even, even to this day, I still go and take other classes. Uh, for me, at this point, it's as much ab about, it's not about what they're programming unless they happen to do something really cool. I'm like, well, that was really smart or lucky and I need to do it. Or it's like, that's a great idea that is having more people want to come here. And that's all we really want to do is have more people show up to help more people. It, and you said it, man, with your background 
you literally have done everything and you've literally practiced everything. And I think that's what shows up in the FitWall programming. That's what has made it so exciting for people, so new and so innovative that you took all things and synergize the best aspects of each thing, you know, some yoga moves, some FMS corrective, some Pilates, you're going pure strength now, and really synergizing it into something unique. And that's something we always talk about with young coaches as well. Uh, you have to not be a systems guy, you know, everyone can be a systems guy, and you have to start out there so you can master the system, you know, whether it be the FMS, or learning from a coach that you really look up to. Once you master that system, you have to look elsewhere. You have to look at other systems. And then when, when you really have a good grasp on everything, you can synergize everything that you have in your unique skill set together to have something unique for your clientele. And I think that's a big disconnect now, too, because a lot of the kids coming out are coming out really brainiac smart going into master's degree, going into DPT programs, being flooded with education, but they're not unique to what they're learning. It's a reverberation of, you know, they just regurgitate everything out instead of actually creating something themselves. Absolutely. And, and they don't get the reps. So what I mean by that, uh, so obviously we know you need to get the reps to get better at a, at an actual exercise, but coaching, you need the reps as well. So like even now I make sure to coach a minimum of five group classes per week and one or two private clients per week as well. And that's simply if I know that I need to be able to do it and step in when I'm open in studios and also like keep my vocal chops from, uh, from going away. But <laughs> like, I feel, I just feel like a bit of a, uh, forgive me, but a bit of an asshole if I'm training people on how to train, yet I, I'm not doing it all that much myself. And uh, to me, I'm like, hey, that's, that's the deal. Like, this is what I do every week, and that's why I can tell you this confidently that it works or that it doesn't work. Our industry gets a lot of hate on that too because some of the best experts writing every article out there aren't actually training people anymore. And I can see it both ways. I can see that obviously you need to be practicing what you preach as a coach, coaching you know human beings in person and not just throwing out programs online. But at the same extent, you know there are those experts out there that have paid their time and they can you know put together very good programs without actually practicing it on a daily basis. But really, you need to sharpen the knife every once in a while to stay sharp. Yeah, and you know what? There's a, there, I think there's a differentiation there. The people that are are doing some research and they're practicing, uh, or they're, they're showing people how to use things that they've spent a long time developing and have a program that very much so works. And then they become an educator. That's totally cool. Uh, I, I got no hate for anybody there for my personal situation. Um, I need to be able to step into any fit wall studio and explain to their coaches how things work. And so I need to be able to do it because for me, that's how, for me, that was, that's like my proof. I'm like, look, watch me do it. Now do it like this. Yeah. And the contact hours with athletes and clients, that's maybe the most important thing. You know, once you have your foundational knowledge of what you're doing and what you're doing with your program, you know, there's no 
uh, faking, seeing thousands of people do the same program and seeing the types of dysfunctions that they have, the types of cues that work to fix their movements, you know, in a high intensity interval training style program, and just the quick things that you can give to your coaches and clients right away that are going to make it better for them and systemize it for them in a way that makes the whole process smooth. Yeah, exactly. Now, you got into the fit wall, but what are you currently doing with your own training and your own practice? Obviously, you're, you're coaching fit wall, you're going through those classes, but what, what does your other aspects of fitness look like? So I've, had a, I've actually had a very bizarre last three years. Uh, when I was traveling with MoveNat, uh, it takes a toll. If you fly every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, oh, yeah. and, you're, and you're coaching outdoors for nine hours, <laughs> I... I was also during that time chasing a body weight barbell get up. And when I got 165 pounds on the right side, I went to match it on the left. And unfortunately, uh, I, I lost it backwards and tore my labrum because there's not necessarily a lot of wiggle room with 165 pounds, <laughs> one hand over your head. Yeah. Uh, in addition to that, like a very bizarre very bizarre injury. I was deadlifting, um, just in a Pavel S stance. So not quite sumo and toes kind of forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I mean, it was, it was 500, so it was not light, but I suffered a, a really bad bone bruise on the head of my femur and that articular cartilage, the meniscus was fine, but the articular cartilage ended up dying and flaking off. So they had to, they had to go in and vacuum it out. And so I ended up, uh, three summers ago, like this week I had uh, knee surgery and shoulder surgery, uh, 10 days apart. Gotcha. So that was kind of fun. I didn't deadlift for, and, and this is a, a long setup for what I did last year. Uh, last year it was two and a half years after, um, the knee and shoulder surgery. The shoulder came back. I, I actually joked that I want to get one on my right shoulder cause it was like a lube filter oil job. <laughs> I was, I was doing kettlebell swings three days post-op and get ups eight days post-op, which maybe a little aggressive and I'm not recommending that people do that, but, um, it worked out pretty well for me. The, uh, so two, last year I, I, I tested my deadlift and it was the first time that I could deadlift f- since the injury in, uh, 2011. So I was pretty excited cause I like to deadlift. I think it's a, probably a pretty good lift for people to be doing. Oh yeah. Um, as long as it doesn't kill your knee bruise <laughs> and then don't, <laughs> and then maybe don't do it. But so I could finally do it, and I, I tested. I was like 405 after not deadlifting for two and a half years. I was like, okay, I'm okay with that, um, with the understanding that I've, I've been lucky to be naturally decently strong. Um, but I trained the deadlift. Every five to ten days, I would go and pull. And for the first two months, I did deficit RDLs simply because there's not something that's going to load up your back quite the same as a deadlift. Um, and after two and a half years of not deadlifting – I was like, I need to get this thing ready to go. So there was a lot of good mornings thrown in and uh, some glute ham raises and and deficit deadlifts um, every five to 10 days based on travel schedule. And then aside from that, it was three fit wall workouts a week. Right. Um, and the occasional play around with kettlebells. Kettlebells <laughs> for me are can be a very effective tool. I just happen to like working out with them, like flipping them around, uh, pressing in odd directions and doing different stuff. So that was my training program, and I took I actually took my deadlift up to 555 in six months. Whoa! Uh, which you know a lot of it was recapturing past uh, strength, 
but it was 55 pounds more than I'd ever done before. And, you know, to be deadlifting once every five to 10 days and then just playing with a bunch of body weight and banded drills the rest of the time, uh, is pretty cool. And I saw, I saw my, uh, my little brother do the same thing and my wife do the same thing. All of us fit walled three times a week, lifted heavy, you know, once a week ish and, uh, all have massive strength gains. It was really cool this year. Uh, so I, I had a pretty mind numbingly weird thing where I was playing on the rings in Santa Monica. Um, and, and maybe, maybe I was dehydrated. I blame the gluten, but I was <laughs> swinging from ring to ring in Santa Monica. And I, I actually one I ruptured my lat tendon it snapped off of my humerus. Wow. Which uh, is apparently a relatively rare injury. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've only seen and, a couple of those in my career. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Uh, ruined my Christmas p- travel plans. So they had to, <laughs> you know, they had to go in the armpit, find it, pull it out, and reattach it. Luckily, it was a, like a really clean snap. And, uh, so for two and a half months, I really was pretty limited with what I could do. So I bought a safety squat bar and I squatted six out of seven days a week and, you know, worked my way up to doing, uh, sets of 50 at two thirty-five, um, sets of 15 split squats at 300 and my thighs and ass grew by two and a half inches because <laughs> that was all I could do for, for that amount of time. And then that's, that's where at the end of that is when you saw that video of me dunking, my legs just were quite strong. And, uh, that happened, you know, one morning I was just playing around in the gym. I was like, Hey, I wonder if I can still dunk and jumped up. was like, Holy shit. Like I'm way above, the, <laughs> way above the rim. I'm going to dunk for, for an hour now. I actually way, oh, totally overdid it. Uh, and my, my, my knees were sore after that, but, uh, it was a lot of fun. And that goes back to, you know, strength, you know, when you talk about strength, that really translated into some pretty cool athletic development for you, you know, really indirectly. Oh yeah, big time. But uh, the, that was a long work away. But right now, my my program is uh, I'm actually running through Mike Fitch, who runs uh, Animal Flow, who okay. I who I coach for. He has a new program coming out called the Bodyweight Athlete, and so I'm going to be I'm effectively like a beta tester for it. Um, He's been doing it and seen really exceptional gains and with a Z, obviously. And uh, <laughs> so I'm going to be running through that program myself. And it's a very cool program. And it actually uses a, it uses a 3-3-3-3 tempo in uh, the main exercises each day, which I've never done a consistent program of slow controlled lifts. So I'm excited to see how that goes. Yeah. And because it has uh, back levers, flags, and uh, all, all these different body weight movements, I actually think that those slow controlled reps and the isometric work that's involved is going to be a pretty good aggressive rehab, final rehab component for my lat. Because I'm back to doing 50 pull-ups, not in a row, but 50 pull-ups in a session with rows, um, and a bunch of different things. So my, my rehab has gone pretty, di- actually my rehab was three to four fit wall sessions a week, just controlled. I, uh, I was a bad patient and I did not go to PT. 
I was just about to say, I'm like, you didn't go to a PT clinic, did you, for your rehab? No, I, I was a, I tried a couple places, and you know, one place they beat me up real bad with some shitty Graston technique, <laughs> and the next place uh, I went to, they they just had me doing stuff that I could do at home, and I was like, that's it. I'm just, you know, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and, and manage this myself. I don't think that again, I don't recommend that to anybody, um, but I lucked out, and it seemed to work out pretty well. You know, you might not recommend it to people, but I would say half the time I do recommend it if you are one of those like one percenters out there. So if you really know movement and you know how to move and how to lift and how to train, you might be teaching the physical therapist more stuff than they're teaching you. And that's not a good place to really do your rehabilitation and get back to the point that you can perform again. So, you know, there are those outliers out there like yourself. And, you know, I've been through the process as well, where I've really taken strength and conditioning and modified it and made programs out of that for somebody's quote unquote rehabilitation and had far greater success for these 1% type athletes. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that, kind of our models working that way, but especially with um, the insurance co-pays and the way that our medical model is moving, there's going to be more and more strength coaches and personal trainers that are going to be stepping into rehab type or rehab-esque situations where not necessarily dealing with pain, but they're dealing with uh, post injuries and definitely dysfunction. Oh, I mean, yeah, going back to us being gen pop, you know, we have <laughs> 14 people in a class, and I'm lucky if two of them aren't having some sort of adjustment going on. Yeah, I mean, everyone's going to walk through at some point in time with some pain, with some dysfunction. The key is keeping people going uh, and not having them be predisposed to any injuries with training. Yeah, don't. First rule, do no harm. <laughs> First rule, don't kill anyone. Second rule, don't hurt anyone. <laughs> <laughs> now, where can uh, where are your locations right now? I know you guys are expanding quick. Yeah, this is an exciting year, uh, and next year will be even more exciting. So we have two locations in San Diego. One's in La Jolla and one's in Solana Beach. We have one in Orange County uh, at Newport Beach. And I'm actually doing this call from our, our first franchise, which is going to open in in Calabasas, California, just north of LA. So maybe we'll see some movie stars in here. That's good for sales. And then uh, we will also be in a month from now, maybe six weeks, be opening in uh, Brighton, Michigan. So just outside of Ann Arbor. Perfect. And then a few weeks after that, I'll be in Denver helping our first Denver location open. Oh, that's exciting stuff. Uh, that's really exciting. And you know, how quick are these going up? And, you know, are they going up every couple months here or where do you see this going? Uh, all over the country, all over the country. Um, now realistically the, our first few franchises, um, is going to be, that's my, that's my attention right there. The first three that go in the, for this year, it's like, let's make sure that they're Every coach is nailing it. Every customer experience is amazing, that everybody's happy, that everything's working well. And then those operators should be looking to open their next ones so that we aren't spread thin across every single county in the U.S. right away. Right. Um, I, you know, The nice thing that's been, been really cool with Fitwall is we've been able to grow at the right rate 
where, yes, we've had a lot of media attention. A lot of people uh, say how cool we are, and we've got a lot of people coming into the studios. But if we had opened four more studios along the way, that would have been terribly difficult to manage. So it's been, it's been a great growth path thus far. Yeah, and definitely keeping up your systems and making sure they're consistent is the key because it's definitely something special out there that is going to be widely popular. Uh, we were talking a couple days, and I was just dying to see a location come into Madison, Wisconsin, because you know just the general population of people, the the CrossFitters, also the triathletes, the Ironman athletes, it's made for them, and I'd see a huge success really across all demographics with it. Where can people learn more about you, Fitwall, and everything that you're doing? So the best place uh, to learn about me, I have I have some info on fitwall.com, and that's where people can check it, take a look at the the video we got going on that kind of shows some of what happens in a Fitwall class. And then for myself, I have a defunct website, cliftonharsky.com. Uh, it has some old musings and a good amount of swearing and some funny things going on there. Uh, and aside from that, you know, at Clifton Harsky on Twitter and Instagram, uh, I still am fortunate enough to travel and certify coaches on how to teach kettlebells for a company called Kettlebell Athletics. And, and so I, I still travel and teach for those two. And aside from that, catching me is going to be like catching the wind because I'm going to be all over the country this year again. <laughs> All good things, though, because the world needs more of your knowledge base and your innovative ideas. I truly believe it. All right, Cliff. Awesome, exciting stuff going on with you and all your endeavors. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. And I'm sure everyone had a hell of a time listening to Fitwall and everything that you're doing out in Southern California. Thanks so much for having me. You got it, man. Thanks again to Cliff for throwing down an amazing episode. It really just shows how much synergizing your different backgrounds really create something special for your clients and also for your training. So keep that in mind when you're going into your next training session and the next time you pick up a book to try to continue your education. Big thanks to Clifton Harsky for being our guest here on the Strength Doc Podcast hosted by UpDoc Media.